I'm Sarah Heiner, President of Bottom Line Inc., the number one provider of expert-sourced, expert-vetted, expert advice that empowers your life. I'm thrilled today to be talking to Dr. Cynthia Green. Dr. Green is one of America's foremost experts on brain health and is the founding director of the Memory Enhancement Program at Icon School of Medicine at Mount Sinai in New York City. Her company, Total Brain Health, develops evidence-based brain wellness classes and programs that are used at many leading institutions. You can learn more about Dr. Green and her great work at TotalBrainHealth.com. So welcome, Cynthia. Thank you for talking to me today. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. All right. So we're going to talk about something that you and I have chatted about when we have lunch together, and that is what I call the evolving brain, the ripening brain, the way that as our brain has aged, that my brain thinks in different ways. And you know that all my all my old friends all talk about we can't remember names anymore and we can't we used to be able to multitask but we can't anymore and that we kind of talk about it in a negative way but in fact let's that our brain evolves it's not good or bad it's just changing and optimizing in some ways yes yeah and it's really hard to know what to call it right we could call it the flowering of our brain the discovery of the brain the synthesis of our thinking you know, um, there are many ways in which we start to think better as we grow older. And I think that we are a little bit obsessed with the negative changes that we uh, experience. But, you know, the good news is that a lot of that, uh, the, the ways our brain changes that we feel badly about, we can work on. Um, but there's a lot of really wonderful things that we gain as we grow older. You know, it's funny. I was going to make this point later on. I, I did a podcast recently with Dr. Mark Gronin, and he's a geriatric psychologist. He wrote a book called The End of Old Age and was talking about the reframing. We all want to stay 20. We all want to maintain our bikini bodies. I want to be, you know, all that vibrancy of 20. But that was all about the fact that as we age, we get better at a lot of things. And the same thing in terms of our brain. We need to not think about that being sharp like we were 18, but there's all these great skills and elements of wisdom that we acquire as we age. My Ab view. Right, absolutely. And you know, there, there are reasons why we wouldn't want to be 20 again. I don't know about you, Sarah, but there's stuff I wouldn't want to have to go through again. <laughs> oh gosh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, are there times that I mourn that, you know, the um, I may not be able to run as fast or that, you know, my body isn't as to toned as it was when I was in my 20s, sure. But in terms of other aspects of my, um, my well-being and in terms of my, my daily life um, and my thinking, there's a lot that we definitely gain and we have to be grateful for. So, you know, one is wisdom, right? And we don't often think about that in terms of uh, our ability to make decisions and to see things in a different way based on experience. There's, uh, you know, a great example that I love to use is uh, out of um, the aviation industry. So there was a study many years ago now where they took two groups of pilots, older and younger, and they put them in a flight uh, simulator and they gave them a very limited amount of information and they found that the older pilots were able with the limited amount of information to make more accurate decisions on the flight simulation dilemma 
than those who were younger. And they drew the conclusion from the study that it was because of their ability to reason and to deduce uh, from their previous experience the wisdom that they brought to bear to the situation. And soon after that study was released, we had uh, the Miracle on the Hudson, where Captain Sullyberger was able to safely land an uh, plane with, where there was engine loss in the Hudson River, um, which for those of uh, us who have not been to New York, is not exactly a very wide body of water, right? Oh, no. Um, with industry on, and high rises on both sides. Um, and that he was able to land it safely because of his experience uh, and that no lives were lost. And even more recently, the pilot for the Southwest flight where, while very sadly one life was lost on that plane when the, you know, the, the cabin uh, lost pressure and that she was able to stay level-headed and because of her experience to land that flight safely. And in both cases, these are individuals who were would not be considered young. They were not new, right? They weren't in their 20s. And that was clearly to an advantage of everyone involved. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And I agree, you know, that the the wisdom, I mean, you could just say that it's experience, but it's also all that processing that you can do all at the same time and what to focus on and what not. Um, so let's talk about what is normal change with aging? Because, you know, what, what gets better, what gets worse? So when it comes to cognition, the things that we see change are uh, some of the basic skills that support our daily function. And before people get all nervous, let me say that when we look at these skills, I want to say up front that research shows that we can keep them, uh, main, we can maintain them well by working them out. So the big ones are attention, our ability to sustain our attention, to hold our attention to information primarily. Our ability to think fast, what we call processing speed. Um, Our ability to think nimbly or multitask to kind of manage and go between uh, juggle different kinds of cognitive demands at the same time. And then some other ones such as executive reasoning. Um, Those support memory, right? Because when you think about memory, memory is really about learning new information. As we grow older, the impact is really not on like remembering the name of my sixth grade teacher Um, or what dress I wore to my junior prom. It's more things like what the name was that someone, uh, the person I just met, or the directions I just got at, uh, from Google Maps when I looked at all the directions and, you know, like I'm not looking at the screen, I just wanna remember the directions step by step. That's the kind of short-term memory challenge that we have. And that's really about learning and retention. And learning requires those basic skills. It requires, and speed and cognitive flexibility. So why does that diminish with age? Well, you know, for the same reason that we have physical changes, we have cognitive changes. Uh, But what we do know is in the research that has looked at training those skills, that when we directly train those skills, we can better maintain them. And that's one of the reasons why I tell people all the time to do things like challenge your brain against the clock because when you do something against the clock, be it playing a game on your phone or setting a timer for tasks um, that you don't usually time yourself in completing, say, you know, doing the dishes faster or trying, if you want to do the crossword puzzle, doing it against the clock. When you work against the clock, you're working on those skills in a way that you don't otherwise, and you are going by testing them to maintain them more effectively. Is there a nutritional or lifestyle aspect 
to these loss of skills, like not enough sleep, not enough B vitamins, things like that? So we are the whole package, right? And I don't think that we can say um, that, for example, if I don't eat gluten or if I eat a lot of blueberries, you know, it's going to make my memory perfect. Uh, at the same time, I don't think we can say if I, you know, have double bacon cheeseburgers and French fries every day for lunch, it's not going to impact my brain health. Our approach at total brain health is exactly that. It's the total package. And the research shows that if we want to take advantage of the science and what the cutting edge research is telling us we need to do to both think better day to day, stay sharp, as well as reduce our risk for dementia, we need to engage across body, mind, and spirit. So we need to do things in our lifestyle, such as exercise, eat a healthy diet, maintain a healthy weight, practice good lifestyle behaviors like drink, you know, drinking alcohol and using caffeine in moderation, uh, being careful with our medications. Uh, we need to stay intellectually engaged, both by challenging our brain with new and creative uh, opportunities, as well as working on the skills that I just mentioned. Um, and also, very importantly, from a spirit side, we need to stay social. There's a lot of research now really showing the tremendous value of social connections to cognition and also to healthy aging. Uh, people who are socially isolated um, are much more at risk for depression, uh, for a lot of other kinds of physical health issues, including, very surprisingly, for an increased risk for heart attack or stroke. There was a study that drew the analogy between social isolation and smoking about half a pack of cigarettes a day in terms of its health impact. So clearly what we know is that social isolation is a huge factor, not only in terms of cognition, but also in terms of healthy aging. So wait a second, uh, I have to ask you. So social isolation and smoking a half a pack a day, was that, what happened with the, where's the smoking connection? Was it that people who smoked a half a pack a day were more social because they were out in the street talking to their buddies? No, it's that the negative health impact of being socially isolated is the same. It's equivalent to smoking half a pack a day. Ah, oh, got it. Okay. Researchers were saying that we know that smoking's bad for you. Yes. Social isolation is just as bad. And by the way, from a cognitive perspective, in terms of those very skills I was talking about earlier, when we're social, we work out those skills. They're a great brain workout. Um, I'm sorry, being social is a great brain workout. Look at our conversation here. We have to hold our attention to what it is that we're talking about. We have to think fast to keep up with the conversation. And we have to think flexibly because we're jumping from topic to topic. And we also have to remember, right? We have to remember what we said before, what we want to say, what you just said, I have to remember. And then we also have to practice what we call executive control. I don't want to interrupt you right? I don't want to wander off topic. So those are other reasons why being social is a great brain workout overall. It's but, true, this whole podcast is a Petri dish in our aging brains. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a great demonstration. And it's great to talk about all of what we need to do to keep our brains healthy. And it really is everything. And so that's why um, Dr. Gronin or, or will say this and you can talk to me and I'll say the same thing that when it comes to taking care of our brains, we need to take care of our bodies, our minds and our spirits because the research shows that it all impacts our cognitive well-being. 
Absolutely agree. All right, we're going to take a pause here and we're going to come back and talk about the skills that actually may improve with our age. So hold on just a second, Cynthia. I'm talking to Dr. Cynthia Green, one of the foremost experts on brain health, about how our brains are changing in our fast-paced techno world. Our attention spans are shrinking, our memories are wavering, yet the demands on our brains are greater than ever. For many years, Cynthia has been providing Bottom Line's readers with tips to stay sharp and prevent memory loss. Her insights appear often in our flagship publication, Bottom Line Personal, and they're a key part of our latest best-selling book, Bottom Line's Super Brain Boosting Secrets, which is filled with hundreds of scientifically proven breakthroughs that can prevent Alzheimer's, reverse memory loss, and keep your mind sharp for life. Order your own copy of Super Brain Boosting Secrets today at bottomlinestore.com forward slash green. And you can get two great free books if you order today, Bottom Line's Best Ever Healing Secrets and The Book of Brain Games. That's bottomlinestore.com forward slash green, bottomlinestore.com forward slash green. All right, we're back with Dr. Cynthia Green of Total Brain Health and totalbrainhealth.com. And we are talking about what I fondly call the ripening of our brain or the evolving of our brain or the how, how our brains change for good and for bad as we age. You know, we think that that we're losing skills in some ways, Cynthia, and yet we're also in many ways getting better as we age. And you talked about before the example of um, Captain Sully and landing the plane and decision-making with pilots who were able to perform better than their younger cohorts. Absolutely. And I think that we, you know, so we gain our ability to reason, right? And to be wiser about decisions with less information. And that's a tremendous advantage. And is that, is that have. brain or is that experience or does it ma not matter? I don't know that you can distinguish, right? It's, it's us and it's, a, it's, it's cognitive, right? It's learning. So it's because we have learned from experience that we have knowledge that we can draw on that we didn't when we were younger. But it's not like there's a change in the size of the hippocampus or, or there's different rates of processing in the synapses or anything like a, you know, is that stuff also happening? Well, it is. And you know, the evidence shows that we can uh, change our brains at every age. Research shows that indeed our brains are plastic and that our experience does shape our brains. There was a recent study where uh, researchers took a group of people who had never used memory strategies and train them in the same kind of memory strategies that are used by memory athletes, people who actually compete at memory competitions. And they not only showed that they were able to improve how well they remembered using these strategies, but when they did functional imaging of both groups, they showed that the people who were trained, so people like you and me who you had know, just learned over several weeks to use these strategies effectively, that when they looked at their brains and how their brains worked, that they looked much more like those memory athletes than they did to other people like them who were their same age or background who were in what we would call a control group. So it was a great demonstration of how learning something like a memory strategy, right, how to remember a name more effectively, that we could actually see physiologically changes in how people's brains worked when they use those kinds of strategies. So I've often wondered if the converse is true as well. I mean, the, the neuroplasticity is so fascinating to me, and I find um, it makes me feel better as I worry about the, the slow 
degradation of my brain. You can hear me not even getting the words out right now. Um, so I find it so comforting that I can improve my brain skills, but let's go the other way. Over, over the, my career, so I used to have jobs that was very detail-oriented and I had to attend to a lot of details, a lot of precise kind of stuff. And as my career has advanced, I've used different skills and my life has changed. So have I also trained my brain? Like I stopped using some of those skills, so I've optimized my juggling skills. I've optimized my you know, being able to turn on a dime the types of conversations I have with people, but I've lost some of my attend to the, if I had to, you know, manage a spreadsheet skills. But someone else manages those spreadsheets. Someone else does it, right? I don't have to do it anymore. So I was just saying like, so on the one hand that we can, we can rebuild skills in our brains and, but have I also trained my brain, you know, that I've, over the years, I've exercised parts of my brain and gotten better at some things and that I've let other things wane over time because I haven't been using those skills as much. And I think that that's okay, because I think that there's skills that you probably don't miss that you used to use, right? So you don't worry about those skills. Um, you know, for example, I maybe was better at uh, doing statistical calculations early in my career, and maybe now someone else does those statistical calculations, and it doesn't exactly. mean couldn't go back and figure out how to run an ANOVA if I really needed to, but I never liked doing it. And now someone else does it and I'm so happy, right? <laughs> yes. I can focus on other things like, you know, a study design or reading through the research and deciding how to phrase something in a way that's meaningful uh, to pass that information on. So I think that, you know, that comes with experience. You know, the other thing that the research shows that we gain is more knowledge. So we know more as we grow older and we can, we are programmed to never stop learning, but we do need to give ourselves the opportunity to learn. So I think that as opposed to your example, what I would say to all of us, that's more of a call to action is that we always need to challenge ourselves to learn and to challenge ourselves to learn new and interesting things that are a little bit out of our box as a way of creating more neuroplasticity and more opportunity for our brains to grow. Yeah. So it's like, you know, I think that in the end, you talk about nature and nurture in terms of what is it that causes different things to, you know, skills or, or assets to express in people's bodies and in their lives. And then in this case, it really is a combination of nature and nurture as well, that there are, there's the changing of the brain, there's the neurological changes, but then it really is what are we doing in our environment, either consciously like playing games and being social or doing all these tactics or, or skills that, that you're suggesting, and then just through the evolution of our lives. So for example, uh, if I had, you know, I had two kids, so I had to juggle things when I was young. So my brain evolved so that I could juggle things. Someone that has eight kids, probably their brain evolved differently. And someone that had no kids didn't necessarily exercise those skills. So it really is the different ways. Sorry. They exercise them in different ways, yeah. right? They had other things that they had to, you know, that they mastered. You know, the other thing that's really interesting that people often aren't aware of is that also as we grow older, our kind of emotional um, lability, for lack of a better word, or kind of our, ability, our 
how well we can strike an emotional balance, our emotional resilience has been shown to improve. Um, you know, so for example, I have three kids, one is much younger and this morning she overslept. Now this kid never oversleeps. So it didn't even occur to me to go check on her. And I think that, you know, I realized when we were kind of getting ready for school after, if that had happened with her oldest brother, you know, who was my first child, I would have had like a sense of panic that he was going to be late for school and that, you know, it was going to be a disaster, right? Like I just would have probably frankly, completely overreacted. Whereas with this child where I've had the experience of having other children and being older myself, it's like, okay, you know, this is going to work out. You're going to be a few minutes late. This is one day of high school out of many, many, many days of school over a lifetime. And just being kind of calmer and being able to have more perspective. And I think that that is true. Um, for many of us, as we grow older, we have perspective, we know more, we have more experience. And that is part of perhaps why we can deal better emotionally. Um, and the research shows that we do. So we have a, a more emotional control. Right. Okay, so we've got better judgment, better decision making, more emotional control, anything else that we refine as we age? I should have I called it the refining brain, the refining brain, go. the refinement right. of living. There we go. You can use that. Yeah, and I and I think that uh, I'm a I'm a huge fan of Eric Erickson who looked at the eight uh, stages of man and you know the, these final stages when we have opportunity for generativity and to look at our legacy and what we want to um, what we want to be what we want our purpose to be and what we want to model you know we we have a lot of wonderful opportunity and we don't really need to worry so much about how quickly we're able to run from point a to point b or if we forget a name from time to time i feel so much better all right dr cynthia green i'm going to let you go right now but i think you know if i had to sum up you know that this piece of our conversation just for us all to give ourselves a break a little bit right and that understand and appreciate the that our brain is is evolving is I, I can't even remember what did I just say the the revival I don't remember <laughs> our brain is forgetting key words but what was the word that I just gave you refinement refining we are refining our brains um so yeah that we are refining the brains and that there are aspects that are getting better and yes yeah, some words I will at times forget and it is okay this podcast will be okay because I just tripped over my thought my tongue and that's okay or the appreciation. We should appreciate what we gain and focus a little bit more on how wonderful our brains are um, and not so much on, you know, the, the tasks that uh, we need to train for. Yes, I agree. And I say that it all makes me very human. So thank you very much, Dr. Cynthia Green, Total Brain Health, totalbrainhealth.com. Thank you, Sarah. As always, it is a tremendous pleasure to talk with you.